Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. This week we are on episode 9 and we are arriving into, guess where, Australia. So Australia for most of us maybe who are listening in, uh, I think the majority of my listeners are in Europe, uh, US etc. Um, Australia is a far enough uh, continent um, but definitely worth a visit. Like I remember as a young girl doing projects in Australia and I was just like wow this place is so remote so far away and just so much species that are super unique Um, and due to it being an island just super preserved as well. Um, so I just found it fascinating that, you know, the koalas, the kangaroos, all of that, that such species, such species existed and they were so, yeah, like, um, precious because they don't exist in other places and you make the journey there, you know, and, um, no trip to Australia is complete without a trip to the Great Barrier you know, and that was one of the the biggest highlights for me. But yeah, so what I'll do is I'll actually split the Australia podcast and give you a taster um, of more than one episode because it is quite a big country. um, And yeah, I think it deserves it. Um, So this week we'll go and visit Perth and Sydney. And I this is actually the order I did it in as well so my family are in Perth so I flew over to see them a couple of years back uh, around Christmas January so it was summertime and it was very hot um so yeah so today we'll look at um yeah some places in Perth and Sydney that I visited some environmental bits um some interesting facts about the species and also I would like to tell you about some books that I'm reading um that are just oh my just like amazing um just uh, again about nature and bees and all of that so I would love to share that with you as well uh before I begin this is uh, a thank you I want to say thank you to the patrons who support this podcast um I can't uh complete this work without you uh having support means everything to me and if you can contribute and are getting something from this information and education and all of it i'd really appreciate the support and yeah it can be up to you the value you want to put on it if you want to do like um you know like a, a if you want to buy me a coffee uh, kind of a price or a packet of seeds or um, I'm thinking of something for the bees but um, I'm actually going to put all um, I'm putting all the money together to actually get hives um, that I've been able to save up from the patronage do we call it so your contribution is going towards conservation work so I really appreciate it and um yeah just know that it's going into something very good and if ever you feel like a little bit 
down or negative about the state of the planet which can happen like sometimes I get very overwhelmed with it um just know that your contribution is going somewhere positive and I'm doing really good work with it and yeah so thank you so much and if you can contribute that would be so awesome and I really appreciate it okay guys let's get going on our arrival into Australia so Perth is on the west coast and it is a very very it's actually one of the most isolated cities in the world and has actually become extremely overpopulated in recent years just just booming like it's just booming there um and it is facing some environmental challenges because it's just the demand on on services from the environment you know um there's a lot of um wetlands there that are very very vulnerable like mangroves and peatlands and marshes um and and they're like really being threatened um all over the world really but like very much so in perth um and they're they're yeah they're very vulnerable so there's a lot of like extraction of water and these wetlands are I suppose storing carbon like sometimes we don't think of you know under the ground what's happening um and we need to think more openly about where carbon is actually stored it's not just in tree trunks and you know stuff like that or in the ocean algae like it's also in the peatlands and the mangroves like there's carbon in there so the more we're destroying that the more carbon is released and again heating the planet so that's just kind of one um thing about perth and that it's super isolated and it's it's very much growing in its population um not to just hit you first with uh, an environmental issue but it is it is something that um that you may notice there that there's a lot of people you know in in a small not a smallish area but you know yourself um concentrated area so um to tell you a bit more about uh, my experience there so I flew in there uh, in their summertime and I actually initially was going for a wedding my cousin uh, so my aunt has been living there for a very long time and and she's very well much settled there and my cousins have have gone to school there and they were born there and you know the whole story so they're very much uh, Aussies so uh, I went over to visit and I was picked up at the airport and I'll never forget coming in because the questions at the airport like was there soil on my shoes you know different things like this and and like obviously I'm from a farm so I was like uh there could be soil on me you know and you're trying to be honest but you also don't want to be questioned for hours on end you know so there was just a couple of questions on entry which is normal because their species are very much in their and their ecology like they try to preserve the biodiversity from incoming uh you know threats I suppose um and food and all that kind of jazz um so that was one thing um and then yeah so I remember coming in and I was like wow it feels so barren like when we were flying in I'll never forget it I was like oh my god I feel so isolated because there was like nothingness like you had the Indian Ocean I think and then like you just come onto the land and there was just nothing on the land 
for a really, really long time. Like I was like, is there anybody living here on this place? Um, so yeah, we got in and that night, yeah, we like, I had been flying for, oof, I think it was like 30 odd hours. It was pretty intense, but I always find when you go from, um, east, no, when you go west to east, the jet lag is kind of okay because you're going ahead of time. I think it's when you go the reverse, um, it's much harder. So when I actually arrived in, it was actually fine, kind of. I was a bit tired, but it was kind of fine. But I found that the reverse was way harder. Like it took me, when I actually eventually came back to Ireland, um, it took me like five or six days to fully accustom. They say it takes about two hours. So the difference in the time, so say Australia was like 11 hours um, so two hours difference every day for your body to climatize again. So it's crazy. And then you're like stepping onto the ground, trying to get the ions and just normalize your body, you know, because it is such a vast distance. Um, so, yeah, so I spent a lot of time with my family in Perth um, and had family I have family as well in Sydney and Melbourne so all over um which is quite common I suppose for Australia because a lot of in, they had a lot of influx of Irish a long time for a long time for decades and also like there's a lot of history there with the convicts and the ships that left from Europe with convicts from Ireland and different countries um so there would have been a lot of heritage there as well and especially in Perth, like Fremantle, where my family reside, um, a lot of that was, there's, you know, there's a prison there for convicts and a lot of like the architecture and the houses would have been built by some Irish. So you see some similarities in the housing. So it's really unique, actually. Um, so, yeah, and Perth is uh, super rich in uh, biodiversity. Um, there's like over 2,000 plant species. Um, so it's incredible. And over 70 reptiles. It's like more than anywhere else in the world. So it's really, really, really... Uh, it's a real hot spot, really. And they have a swamp tortoise as well. Um, so yeah, so it's a pretty cool place for wildlife. So I kind of spent my days really uh, becoming like a local... <laughs> Um, in the sense that just adapting to their lifestyle so in the mornings we would go cycling or we go cycling and swimming we bring we go to the dog beach and then just like really like going to the market or heading into town um yeah it was amazing um and they've loads of um beaches there just so many beaches um so yeah and, and it was funny like i i i yeah when did i i arrived in actually yeah I arrived in and actually it was Christmas Eve so I was there from Christmas to January and on Christmas day um we did a 5k park run um so that was really fun um but I was roasted out of it because I was so used to running in you know in winter in Ireland which is like could be five degrees you know and then I went over there and it was like 30 degrees or something and I had to run in that in the morning and I was like oh my god man it was like are you ready let's go super energetic so I was like okay I'm ready get me a coffee and let's go um so yeah it was pretty intense to come off the flight the night before and then you know sleeping 
yeah sleep trying to go to sleep that night and then getting up for the run um to say I was tired is an understatement but then after we we where we did the park run was a place called Cottage Slow Beach you can look it up very pretty place you can snorkel there the the water's like crystal clear so we did the run all along the tarmac on the edge of the beach and then down onto the beach where there was loads of dogs I'll never forget hopping over the dogs and I was like is this run ever going to end um, and at the end of it sure my face was like I remember my face was so red I was just so I was roasting my body was like super just <laughs> trying to acclimatize to the heat you know and I remember going under the shady trees after and being like oh my god you know and then after we kind of all said congrats and happy Christmas and da 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 and yeah and we had to swim after to cool down and then following that we set up the barbecue and it was so lovely because like in Ireland obviously it's it's lovely as well you know you have your family you have your Christmas dinner um but over there it was a really new, unique experience because it was like we had a barbecue at about lunchtime and everybody was there, like dozens of people, like so many people and all neighbours came over and we had this massive like, oh, I don't know, it was like the size of four barbecues together. It was amazing and everybody brought food, everybody brought snacks and it was a real like community experience, you know, and, and very different to Ireland because I think here... We have very isolated existence where a lot of us live alone. Um, there are community gatherings, well, definitely less now with COVID, but, you know, it just felt more, um, maybe just a bit more inclusive or like, it was just, yeah, such a community thing, you know, where everybody was joining in and everybody knew each other, you know. Whereas I think here in maybe in Western Europe, it's very much, it's a lot more segregated, I think, from what I've experienced around the globe, like compared to Brazil and, you know, Colombia, where like, like you could have massive communities coming together. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to note that. Um, yeah, so that was really, really nice. And just everybody sharing and chatting and getting to know loads of new people from all different countries that was amazing um so following that um we yeah I used to just kind of go out on the bicycle and explore the nearby areas so you had um one day we had uh kind of a day out and then we ended up in a place called Little Creatures Brewery which was really cool so they had loads of their own homemade beer, like massive tanks inside there. And then just the most delicious pizza. I'll never forget it. I was like, oh my God, this pizza is like the best pizza I ever had. Um, then another day we had um, a visit to Bather's Beach. So it's like um, a restaurant slash cocktail place. And it's literally right on the beachfront. So we had like the hen, kind of like the hen do there. Uh, which was really nice because my cousin was actually getting married and so we had like just loads of girls and yeah it was really lovely and we got to watch the sunset from that the beach kind of uh i suppose building it was amazing just to um have that experience like of of hot summer in win in december and and watching um the sun go down at the beachfront and 
yeah just having lovely food and cocktails and nice company and music and yeah uh, it was really nice um and then besides that I went to an amazing place which you will have to look up online as well called Rotnest Island absolutely I'll never forget it just an amazing place so what I actually did I went off with another cousin and we got another bicycle and we cycled up to the ferry and we took the ferry over so Rotnest basically it got the name because of the marsupial which lives there which is like a small little animal and yeah it's um, very very cute and you definitely have to look it up so it's called a quaka oh no quaka yeah quaka it's kind of a unique name but it's like q-u-o-k-k-a quaka and basically like when the dutch came onto that island many decades ago well actually do you know what it wasn't an island for a long time in actual fact you could walk there from the mainland but now it's an island due to climate change da 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 but um yeah so there was some dutch people came and they saw this marsupial and they thought it looked like a giant rat so they called it rot nest um so yeah so that's where it got its name basically that they thought the marsupial was like a giant rat and but it's not like it's actually just so cute but i could see why they might say that um yeah so and they're just like they just all around the island and they're super cute and they're really well adapted because like on that island rotness like water can be in scarce resource so like these marsupials are really adapted to there um that they can last like one month without water they can like store fat in their tails they have their baby in a pouch like they're just so cute and some people like they take selfies with them and all sorts but um yeah you're not meant to like you know you shouldn't be feeding them any random things or anything like that you know because they are protected um and so on the island itself you can rent a bicycle or you can bring the bicycle over from Perth, from uh, Fremantle. Um, so that's what I did with a friend. And you can cycle all around the island. There's like over 60 beaches and the colours of the beaches. Blue, turquoise, um, cyan, like oh, these amazing colours. Um, and they even have salt lakes there uh, where you're just staring amidst this kind of reflection. So just a really exquisite island so we basically just cycled around the whole perimeter for the day and we got to the end of the island then where you could walk through this kind of uh, these kind of shrubs and bush and um i remember like thinking like there was a sign if i remember correctly there was a sign with snakes and stuff and i was like oh my god because like australia like from what I'd seen on TV, like, I was like, okay, like, in Australia, you need to be careful with snakes and stuff, because they can get you, and I was a little bit nervous, to be honest, um, but we eventually, but the girl, my friend I was with, she was Australian, so she kind of, she kind of helped me out a bit, um, but we, yeah, we got to the end of the island, and we got to look out of this viewpoint through telescopes and stuff, and it was so lovely, and I got to see seals up on the rocks, and I was like, oh. So that was really cute. 
But then again, we had to like try and make our way back the island for the ferry because there's only like certain times and you don't want to miss them. So then eventually we came around the perimeter, past all the salt lakes, past the train. So some people can book on this like train to go around. But I think it's much nicer on a bicycle because you can just stop off, jump in the water for a swim, do what you want, you know. Um, so that was cool. And then back at the entrance of the island, they had like an ice cream uh, parlor so we got ice cream and it was just really nice um, but again like we were kind of stuck for water like it was it was hard to get water on that island so if you do go make sure to bring water but um but yeah so if you do go to Perth Fremantle definitely look up Rottnest Island it is outstanding the colors of the ocean will blow your uh, just blow your mind um, and definitely worth a swim and definitely to see the little quokka who is a super super cute marsupial so the rest of my time in perth as i said i attended uh, my cousin's wedding which was really lovely and we had barbecues and yeah just was really settling into the life there um so lots of good coffee good bread you know lots of outings and a really like sociable outdoor living lifestyle so it was very yeah it was very different to coming from winter from here and also I remember meeting a guy I'll never forget it he was from Borneo and he was so lovely he was at uh, one of the houses across the way where I stayed um and I remember him teaching me his traditional dance from his country and it's just it was just so amazing um it was my first time meeting somebody from Borneo and yeah, I was so intrigued about his culture and traditions and it's just like my curiosity, you know, for discovering, you know, different cultures on our planet and people and species and feeding that curiosity. So yeah, that was lovely. So I got to do a Bornean dance. Um, I can't really describe it to you because it's kind of indescribable. But maybe if you look it up online, you might see it. But it was one of the most funniest uh, experiences I've had to date. And I still laugh about it, thinking how we were dancing and singing. Um, But very, 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 very enjoyable indeed. So next up, um, I headed off for Sydney. Um, So I flew over to Sydney on New Year's Eve, would you believe? Um, so I took a red eye flight across Australia and the distance is actually massive like it is quite massive it's like flying from Ireland down to probably Malta or something it's so it's really actually quite far Um, and I took the flight at like midnight or something I'm sure we arrived at 6am so you get no you get no sleep um, and I will never take a flight like that again because everybody, when I was telling everybody when I was leaving Perth, I was getting a red eye. They were like, oh, oh, they were like, you're not going to do well when you land. And I was like, really? And no, but I didn't. It was so difficult. Um, the exhaustion was just something else. And I still remember it, like trying to go around with my bags and being half asleep. I had no idea. My my brain was actually like turning off. Um, so it was really hard, the, the tiredness. Um, so yeah, so I got in Sydney in the morning and I got a train out and I was going to stay with another family member who lived about 
I'd say up to an hour, maybe like 50 minutes on trains outside of Sydney city. Um, so the distance was far. Um, yeah, so I was staying with my kind of great aunt Maureen. Um, but it was, it was lovely. It was lovely to go to her home. She had a lovely swimming pool. We got to um, have some meals together. We had, even had some wine together. She was a lovely lady. And um, yeah, it was great to catch up with her. And she told me stories of, you know, other family who had visited. And yeah, it was lovely. Um, so New Year's in Sydney, I headed off for uh, down by the harbour where like you would have all the boats and the fireworks. And I remember like going down in the daytime, like or three or four and like they were shutting down all the parks. It was insane. Like I've never experienced that amount of people in my life. I was like, whoa, unless like, you know, the Champs-Élysées on, on, on Christmas or something. But the amount of people like it was insane. Um, and, I, and I was a little bit overwhelmed to be honest because the police were getting angry at people as well for breaking into certain areas of the parks and all that kind of stuff but um, luckily I got a contact from a friend who is actually a patron of the podcast Livia she had put me in contact with her um, sister who was there at the time and she kindly um helped me Elena to get into the park where they were where they had kind of reserved an area well not reserved but they had an area where they were seated so that was amazing and I met some other really cool travelers there um another girl called Alexa who was traveling all over Asia alone on an extended trip so it was amazing to meet like-minded people and I was very 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 lucky to get into the park like so lucky um yeah so for that night um yeah we waited until midnight so like it was good uh six about eight hours like yeah until the fireworks set off and you weren't allowed to bring any alcohol in or anything like that so you had to go and queue at these big you know um outdoor food and drinks you know it was it was pretty insane to be honest um and it was good to experience it but I don't know what I want to experience it again. It was, it was, uh, you know, like queuing for half an hour for a bathroom. So it was pretty intense. But I could see the people out in the boats on the harbour, like having the time of their life. Um, obviously, we had a great time as well. But it was just, it was intense with all the people. And then, you know, getting the trains home at night, like it took hours to get home. So it was pretty crazy. Um, but I managed it. And it was an amazing experience and the fireworks were incredible. I suppose they were the best fireworks I've ever seen. Um, yeah, the best. Definitely. Um, I, had, I had actually seen some in Singapore as well on New Year's Eve, which were amazing as well. But Sydney definitely beats it. Um, something else. And yeah, I have actually seen... I spent one... I've spent a lot of Christmas and New Year's away from Ireland and I spent one in um, Colombia as well, which was amazing. Um, but definitely Sydney takes the takes the hot spot, you know. Um, so, yeah, so during my time in Sydney, other than the New Year's Eve festivals, uh, festivities, I went to a place called Blue Mountains. Again, look this up. Um, beautiful, amazing place. Um, and they have... 
um, kind of three peaks out there, like sandstone peaks, and they call them the Three Sisters. And they're just amazing to look at. Just amazing. And you have this ancient rainforest and just your eyes, just the nature is just perfection. It's just perfection. So you walk down these steps and you're in this like viewpoint and you get to see these massive jagged peaks and yeah, and this vast rainforest and land, immense like vastness of land where you can see for so many miles and there's nothingness, you know, so it's amazing. Um yeah. And yeah, it's just amazing. So they're called the Blue Mountains actually because of the mist that mixes with the water vapour and produces this kind of bluey hue. Um, but yeah, phenomenal. Definitely, definitely worth a visit. And I remember arriving there as well in the small town and trying to figure out my way around. Uh, but there was other, I found, I met some other solo travellers as well, so that was quite nice because sometimes you just feel a bit alone and you're like, where am I going? I'm lost. But you know, I'm, I'm quite used to that now. But um, yeah, I remember meeting some other solo travellers and I was like, where are you going? How do we get there? Da, da, da. I need to walk for like a couple of kilometres um, to get there. But the town I arrived in, I remember there was this parrot on the table and the chair. And I was like, oh my God, Australia is so cool. Just these vibrant coloured parrots just hanging around and talking and... Yeah, the wildlife was pretty amazing. The rest of my time in Sydney, I was I explored some of the city centre. So I visited like the Harbour Bridge. I remember seeing people above the bridge walking on it. I was like, oh my goodness, is that for me or is it not for me? But um, yeah. You know, my time in cities usually is quite limited because I'm not a city person. But again, like getting out to the Blue Mountains is definitely worth it. Um, I did like, a, you know, one of those tours of the cities. Like if you do like a free tour and then you give your amount at the end. Um, you know, you kind of give um, the value that you put on the tour or whatever, which was great. And I learned a lot about the old convicts that came there and built some of the city and how they would like give them alcohol to keep them going and and they would work so much I, I remember they brought us up actually to a hospital I remember and they were saying that the hospital's grounds like the architecture that was built for it was like way smaller than how it actually turned out that they actually I don't know they like the workers or something had drank so much that they ended up building like so much more than the size that they wanted because they worked so well like you know because they were drinking so much on the job I was like what yeah so very interesting um and yeah um so yeah so that was kind of Sydney really um again really good food there really good coffee if you're into it and shopping of course shopping is a big thing there and um yeah so if you get to sydney get a visit out to the blue mountains and get your nature fix a small bit about the environmental issues facing sydney um so we are all aware of the bushfires that happened um yeah a couple of years back now but it was fairly disastrous like a hundred billion insects died and that is enormous. 
you know, it really is. So many millions of hectares were burnt. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of koala habitats that were destroyed, obviously insect habitats, kangaroo, all of it. And it really was a sad time for Australia and the planet as a whole, because we know everything is connected, you know. So a lot of work has been done post bushfires, you know, and if you still want to help out, you could actually donate to the organisations on there. There was many ones set up for, you know, uh, veterinary work for the koalas, like, you know, rescuing the ones that were injured. Like it was it was a crazy time, really. Um, But, you know, these fires are going on all the time. You know, it's just they're not in the news. Um, But Australia does face a lot of issues with its, you know, isolated land. Um, It's not very well... um, regulated in the sense that many habitats for wildlife like are being converted into for livestock you know livestock is like the number one um i suppose clearance of land worldwide so if you are if you are to make any difference in your consumption patterns to help i would say you know cut down on meat um and if you are a big meat eater like I'm not telling you to go all without you know because that's just too much but like you know buy organic meat um try to not consume too much red meat like choose other meat you know what I mean or you could try sustainably um fished um fish you know, um, but the livestock is one of the biggest things and obviously the feed for the livestock. So the feed for the livestock takes up most of the land. Um, And what people don't realise as well, so just to move us on to the bees, is that a lot of those crops that feed the livestock are pollinated by bees. So like the whole system, if we become aware of it as a whole, like obviously the bees are in trouble, like a lot of them are facing extinction like we need to realize that bees just don't make honey like they do like enormous amount of jobs for the ecological system at a foundation level like they're pollinating crops that feed livestock that feed us so like if the bees go not only are we going to lose a third of what we normally can eat but it would be so bland you know we'd be able to eat bread like it's just like fruit and veg like I don't know where we would I don't know where we would get the fruit and veg like we'd be really 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 struggle and also like the feed for the livestock like I don't know what we would feed them you know so there's a big system at play that I think a lot of us need to become aware of um and it's really important and I guess going on from Australia Sydney to um the books I wanted to talk about. So there's one book, actually, it's a bee book and I actually got it off my nieces Um, and it's written by Charlotte Milner and it's actually designed for kids, but it's amazing. Like when I saw the book, I was like, this book, I was like, I need to read this book and there's even bits in it that I've just learned about, you know, it's printed in Italy, Um, but actually it's just amazing. So this author in particular writes books on species that are, you know, it's basically describing issues out there that are 
you know, that we need to care about. So education and all of it. And it's just perfect. And there's loads of pictures in it. And it shows how you can help and what you can do and what what kind of issues they're facing. And it's so interesting. So, um, yeah. And it even has a section about, like, having a bee-friendly garden and what to plant for autumn. So you could have sunflowers, sedums, ivy. And I've just seen the ivy recently flowering. So that's really exciting. And... Um, as well about the bees right now um i opened up one of the nukes this morning uh so the nuke were kind of like the swarm boxes i had and do you know what i found in there two wasps so the wasps are really coming out at the moment and they're really looking for food so they're going after the hives to try and get food but i think what happened was there was actually a big spider in the nuke and the spider just you know webbed up the wasp and gone because uh, the minute I opened it, there was this massive spider and it just went into a ball and fell onto the ground. So that was kind of interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Have any of you guys been experiencing wasps? Um, yeah, there's quite a few around. Um, so yeah, and I also had, um, you know, I asked on Instagram this week whether what patrons would like to see more of, what they would like to learn about. And uh, one of my patrons actually asked me to discuss about um, honey pasteurized versus unpasteurized and, you know, raw honey and all of it. And I think it's really important that we know about this, you know. So thank you to Regina who posed this question. And basically, like the honey that I made, well, my bees, the bees made it, but the honey that I had or still have, um is basically raw honey so it's straight out of the hive and nothing has been done to it it's literally extracted from the honeycomb and um yeah it just goes into like an extractor it spins it around and it comes out of a tap and it's straight into the jar so anybody who bought my honey you will have noticed that there was some wax in it there might have even been well depending on what you know like if the frame so the frame might have honey in it but you might even get like I even saw once a piece of a bee's leg but like this happens this is normal because there's no filtration and like a piece of a bee isn't going to kill you do you know we just need to understand that this is nature you know and we're so used to everything being clean and pasteurized and soil free and just laden with chemicals which makes it super clean but it's actually not good for us so that's basically my honey it's extracted and it's jarred no heating nothing and it just stays like that and it's in a jar um and then you have unpasteurized which is where it is slightly heated and most of the nutritional properties will remain but i think this is like where it's heated up to like below the temperature of the hive so it doesn't it's not full pasteurization but then the pasteurized honey is where it's exposed to high temperatures and basically the yeast that's present is destroyed and it gets a very smooth texture. Um, but also like what happens is the nutritional property is destroyed. So you're talking fewer antioxidants, amino acids, vitamins, minerals, enzymes, all of that. So, and this is what's in the shops. Like, so whatever you're buying out there, if it's two euros, you know what you're getting. That's the quality you're getting. But if you see raw honey, raw Irish honey, raw, you know, and a lot of it is imported as well from from EU countries or from South America. Um, so always, always, always check. Is it raw? 
Um, and is it local? Just make sure to check for those signs. Um, because otherwise the benefits to your body, I don't know. You might as well get a jam or something because I don't know. Not saying get a jam, but like, as in, I just don't know. The benefits aren't really there. You know what I mean? Um, and I also want to talk about one other book. Um, so I'm reading another book called The Hidden Life of Trees. And it is amazing. It is just amazing. Um, so this morning I was on a chapter called um, United We Stand. Is it? Divided We Fall. So it's all about fungi and trees working together using nutrients. And it's just so amazing. So it talks about all the trees in the forest and the fungi that reside on the roots or tap on the roots below the surface and how they work together to uh, yeah, be a family in the forest and how like trees together work together and they become much stronger together. So if you ever see a tree alone, you know, it's not very good for it. Like the tree should be with its community and the book is just it's blowing my mind every chapter I am just like wow and it even talks about how the fungi you know so necessary for the tree's growth and transport of nutrients underground like an internet web that the fungi actually take in a third of the tree's um, food production so they really feed off the tree's nutrients Um, but it's amazing how they work in symbiosis so yeah they were my kind of books this week I wanted to share so the bee book by Charlotte Milner it's like a kid's book it's amazing uh just wonderful book um loads of diagrams and illustrations and then the the hidden life of trees by Peter Woolleben um and it's like what trees feel how they communicate and discoveries from a secret world and it even talks about how trees you know, make noises at an ultrasonic level and how they transport water. And yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. So I'm really enjoying them books at the moment. And yeah, so guys, that's all for this week. If you like this podcast and would like to share it, I would really appreciate it. Or um, if you yourself have any ideas what you'd like to hear me talk about or learn about, I'd be super happy to share. Or if you have any question at all about bees, the environment, trees, growing, travel, adventure, surfing, I don't know, whatever you like, um, just send me a message on any social media platform and I'd be really, really happy to engage with you and um, hear what you have to say. And um yeah and if you have any books yourself you'd like to recommend or share with me um i would love that also um and yeah i'm just sending you all loads of positive light for the weekend ahead and a final thank you to the patrons of course who are supporting the podcast and contributing every single month Uh, i appreciate it so much and if you value this podcast and would like it to continue Please support and contribute um, whatever you think um, you would subscribe for. Um, Generally, people might offer the price of a coffee or something like that. Um, And that would be so much appreciated. And you also get access to extra videos and content. 
and a private message thread with me if you want to give any requests or feedback or know anything. Um, and yeah, I will talk to you all very soon as we continue with Australia. I hope you enjoyed and have a beautiful weekend. Ciao!